Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no Spice Girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. For just being me. Amy Winehouse. Back to Black. Directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R. Under 17. Not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. You never want to find yourself out on the water fishing without the essentials. So it's best to always pack a Columbia PFG Solar Stream Elite hoodie to protect against the sun. I mean, it provides great protection and it's really breathable so you don't get hot. That's a win-win. Columbia PFG has a lot of great gear. So before you head out on the water, head over to Columbia.com slash PFG to shop their performance fishing gear. Good morning, peeps, and welcome to Woke AF Daily with me, your girl, Danielle Moody, recording from the home bunker. Folks, today's conversation with our fave in-house doctor, Dr. Jonathan Metzl, is one that I think is needed. We are living at the intersections of so many causes for anxiety, for worry, for stress. And I don't think that we are talking about these issues like mass shootings happening multiple times a week and, you know, temperatures being recorded in places that are well above or below normal, that we are really talking about the fact that people, our lives have been upended since 2019 and what that really means as a collective, right? Not just on an individual basis. And that we're looking and searching for things to bring us stability and make us feel quote unquote normal, whatever the fuck that looks like. And so today's conversation with Jonathan kind of moves in the same way that my conversation last week with um, Jennifer Taub did, which is, you know, how are we all really doing? And what are the methods and ways that we can deal with the very real reality that there's a lot of incredibly wild shit that continues to happen And it feels some days that you're trying to walk through a category five hurricane, right? And like head to work, right? Like that's normal. And just be able to continue to go about your regular day to day as if there isn't catastrophe literally lurking around every corner at every gas station, at every dance studio, at every school, place of worship, what have you. And so we get into a really good conversation also about a documentary that I watched called Take Your Pills, Xanax, on Netflix that is about this trend in numbing and how it has risen over the past several years by astronomical numbers. So coming up next, dear friends, my conversation with our good, good doctor, Dr. Jonathan Metzl. (laughs) 
Folks, you know that whenever we have the opportunity to talk with our in-house doctor, Dr. Jonathan Metzl, I am always thrilled because um, we have so many issues that are facing the country, Jonathan. And, you know, I, I as everyone was alerted over the weekend, uh, New York Times ding ding over everyone's phone, even though I try not to watch the news and take a little bit of a, a break. Um, mass shooting takes place, killing now 11 people in California before we can even get the names down of the people that have died in that tragic mass shooting. Another mass shooting happens in California, killing seven people. And in the midst of all of that, I'm trying to really understand how we are all managing and coping with the times that we are living in. And so I found myself scrolling, you know, through Netflix, looking at documentaries, because that's what I do on Netflix. And I came across one called Take Your Pills, Xanax. And, you know, it's a whole documentary about the rise of Xanax use. The You know, it talks about COVID. It talks about uh, t- anxiety with Generation Z. It talks about all of these things. And so I just like, are we missing the conversation, which is the correlation, Jonathan, between what we are being forced to consider as normal in our society and in our day to day, and then the availability of prescription drugs that are essentially meant to numb. And that is what people need in order to get through. Like, are we missing, we're having all of these separate conversations and I'm asking, are we missing the integration? It's, it's, it's just think of the moment we're living in. We're living in a state of such constant stress and it was always the case, but the pandemic has really brought this, I think, into the, into the light in a way that I think we just have never coped with before. Um, I, I, you know, I teach this big class, COVID and society, hundreds of students in the class. And the first exercise we always do is I, I ask them, go back to your pre-pandemic self, whoever that was, um, and tell yourself then something you know now that you didn't, you didn't know that. And wow, that's like a good question. 90% of the students will say, life is much, <laughs> you know, life can change or end, um, for you or somebody you know or for society so just uh before like I, I just think people i think people really feel like the students often say we just took so many things for granted before and not that it's just covid but you know think of all the things we've had happen since covid uh george floyd and war and all these other things and it just feels like there's just stories and and what we do what we do as a species uh, to protect ourselves a lot of times in the face of this, which is we habituate, we normalize. That's kind of what we've done. And so just the amount of stress, I just feel like we were living in a way that just wasn't aware of mortality in a way that I think the pandemic really brought it into focus. And some people responded to that by storming the Capitol. Some people responded to that by wanting to hang Fauci or blame China. Some people responded to that more, many more people responded to that by just internalizing this this kind of sense of existential dread. And, and so I just think that we're living in a moment where like life can change at any moment. And, and the pandemic, it's not just, oh, it's just because of COVID by itself. It's also, 
it, you know, it just feels like things are happening. And I see this even with these mass shootings that it, 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 you know, everybody's like, it didn't get the media attention it deserved and it didn't get the media attention it deserved. But then there was another mass shooting like the next day. But, but also it's just that we're living with this kind of sense that something can happen at any moment. And I think that that is really, really profoundly taking its toll on people and the mental health world for all that it's been trying to do just cannot conceivably, conceivably keep up with that. You know, talk to me about the fact that we are all collectively experiencing the fact that anything can happen at any moment, can change at any moment. Because, you know, many people would say, well, that's life, right? Like, you can get hit by a car, you can, you know, somebody can have a heart attack and drop dead. What is it that is unique to the experience that we are having now that has us all at this place of what I am, am saying is high alert, right? Like this high alert, which is causing this high anxiety that never abates. And so how is that different? And, and I think that your question is a really good one. So if you could dig in between 2019, right? And, and, and just, and, and I, and I'll move us not to 2020, but 2019 to 2023, where we are, how is it, you know, and how is it different than our understanding of mortality and how that has shifted? It's not just consciously paying attention to like life and death. It's kind of like a global sense. And I would just ask people watching this, like, do that exercise yourself. Um, and it's not just about, oh, I feel like I could die at any moment. It's also think of all the other attitudes that have changed as a result of just the knowledge that there could be a, a global pandemic or that um, we're seeing. I mean, we've, we've had so many mass shootings. We, it's January. We're averaging like the highest number of mass shootings ever in recorded history um, right now, like 1.6 mass shootings a day in this country. Um, the fact that all the, you know, Russia invading Ukraine upended the kind of social contract that we've had in place for many people's lives since World War II about um, national borders, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So it was just a moment. And it, it it's also a moment where a lot of bad guys seem to be winning. You know, a lot of people who are fascists who would have been marginalized in, in not just in, in the U.S. kind of voices, but you know, Orban and Netanyahu and on down. So we're just seeing the rise of kind of a, it just feels like a dark force, <laughs> you know, in general, that is kind of a moment where kind of the, the safety nets of having neighbors and communities is just doesn't feel quite as safe as it did in 2019. And so I would ask people, and, and maybe, you know, you could argue the other way, like, oh, maybe I, I appreciate my community more, or I, my colleague here at work, started like growing chickens in his backyard and has rediscovered farming. And right now, not a bad thing to have like eggs for free. Um, but, uh, but so maybe it's the other thing, but I would just ask people to do that exercise, right? And to think about what attitudes have changed. And it doesn't have to be about life and death. I mean, think about how differently you might feel about work or about travel. I am in my head as I'm talking, as, as we're talking, like doing it. So I'm just like, I should just say it out loud because 
one of the, you know, I'm thinking, you know, a lot shifted in my own personal life and in the world in general between 2019 and now. But one of the things that as that has shifted, but then continues to vacillate is my relationship to work, right? Where I know, and people will laugh at this now, but like I used to work even more than I do now. Like it was just, there was no, there was no downtime. There was no off ramp. It was just the consistency of being a hamster on a, on a wheel all the time. What the pandemic afforded for me and also my mother's illness in having a, 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 a benign brain tumor was, you know, the, the recognition of there is other things that are important, right? And like life is actually really fleeting. And what am I racing to get to, right? And missing in, you know, in the interim. And I feel like a lot of people um, have had that feeling, right? And then what comes out of that is these terms like quiet quitting and the great resignation, or is it that people recognize, and this is funny, Jonathan, the other day I see this meme and it's been like, it's gone viral since, which is the lie of midlife and what that age actually is. Because if the average person, I think it, and it's an average white person, because I, I believe that it's like 70 for black people. But if the average person lives to be 78, which is what I think that life expectancy is now, then midlife is actually 36. So if mid, so if, if mid, if midlife is actually like 36 or 37, and we're talking about working until retirement age, which is 65, you are only actually affording yourself 12 years before you die, right? And how we have this warped kind, how we've had this warped kind of sense and relationship to rest, to ease, to work and to leisure and family and all of these things and how people are kind of pulling back and saying, wait a minute, what the fuck am I actually doing? And think of the irony, right? Because now the Republicans are, for example, in these, in what it's going to be a ridiculous um, debt ceiling crisis. They're not just trying to gut like Social Security and Medicaid, but they're trying to push back the retirement age. Yep. Um, and so it's just weird that I mean, again, these are all these are all meta fights, right? But it's just weird that we're pushing back the more, the retirement age at a time when like life expectancy is going down. So it's like, are you guys not seeing what's happening here? Like, but so they do. It, but I think yeah, like I know no, they I do, know. right? Like they do yeah. see what's happening. They don't it's the fact that they don't care, right? Like yeah. people are just parts to be replaced, like pieces of a car that don't work anymore, right? Right. And it's in, in a way, it just fits into this narrative that we're telling here about the kind of disposability of life, which is such a deep, it just, you know, we didn't, I don't know. I There's a forum that used to be great called Twitter, and now it's just full of random crap for the most part. Um, but I've been scrolling through just really for the um, Jonathan Capehart Soul Train video clips in the morning um, and for like random music video clips. Somebody, there's this little guy who's saying, ain't nobody going to break my stride. And it was like a music video and everybody was like dancing and doing all this stuff. And I just thought like, man, 
the eighties were so great. Like we had no cares in the world. <laughs> like, you know, <laughs> and I don't know, we just live in a very heavy time right now. It's not like we're doing soul train or music video. I mean, we are maybe or something like that, but it's just, there's nothing, there's nothing outside of politics right now. There's nothing outside of this anxiety. Even when we try to create those spaces, is kind of what it feels like a lot of times. And so no wonder people are taking a Xanax or whatever. It's not like that's a issue. And, you know, maybe this will lead to some societal changes a hundred years from now. Um, mm. Maybe the old structure that we have put in place here just wasn't working. Or maybe countries with like mean, strong, strong men are going to come out ahead and dominate everybody else and we're back to like Attila the Hun and Genghis Khan days or something. I, I, who knows? But it does feel like our our planet is in the middle of a kind of transformation right now. And and it's just hard to, it's a hard scope to understand, but it's just not, under, I guess what I'm saying is like, it's we're beyond a therapy issue, even though people should get therapy. Right, because, right. But they're bigger forces and so people shouldn't feel like they're crazy for feeling unsettled all the time. Um, but that's but Jonathan, like I want to stay on that for a second because that's the thing is that I've been having you know last last week I had on um my friend uh, uh author and podcaster Jennifer Taub, and we ended up having what was not a, 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 at its core a political conversation, which is what I was having her on to talk about white collar crime and all of these things, and it ended up being a are you okay? you know, conversation. And the, what we pulled out of that was just like, actually, no, right. Like I, I'm, I feel like I'm doing all of the things that I should be doing, meditating, working out, going on walks, connecting with family and friends. But if I actually drill down, no, I actually don't feel okay. I feel deeply unsettled. I feel deeply unnerved. I feel a deep sense of worry and dread. And so if we know that so many people are saying and feeling that, and my therapist says the same thing, she's like, no, no, like I see more people now and it's more conversations about the collective, the collective experience and not just these individualized like issues. So then what, like, what is the way to feel better if we don't want to pop Xanax because Nobody wants to like, because we're seeing the effects of what has happened for this long standing practice of just prescribing, 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 then it has increased addiction and then suicide rates go up. And it's just like, we're in this awful fucking tornado. Well, I mean, I can just say psychiatry has been put in a position of being asked to treat issues that it only it just it, to say it doesn't even scratch the surface of what's happening is an understatement. So certainly I think anybody who needs help should get it. And there are mechanisms for help. And I do think therapy and medication in the right instance can be um, really important. But I would also say that therapy is not a treatment for like global geopolitical angst, you know, <laughs> which is kind of what we're feeling right now. Um and so I just think, you know, I, I think you're exactly right that, like, for example, the Great Resignation, it, it's almost a way of people saying, man, the old way is not working for me anymore and I need to, like, pay attention. But then then what is working? That kind of, it's kind of the next right, question. Right, right. 
And, and it's very unsettling. Like our, our world was built on a series of relationships that we just took for granted about supply chain and, and the flow of goods and information and safety um, that have just been shown to be much more fallible and, and kind of up for grabs than we, than we ever realized. And, and so I just think that it's just causing different kinds of responses. And, and in a way, it, on the flip side, I think it's also why you're seeing more people gravitate toward politicians who, I mean, try floating some one of these fascist dictators 10 years ago, people would have just said, you know, no, we, we, we vote for society for the most part. I mean, not that it, that, that isn't always, isn't always the case, but now people want dad. They want protection. They mm. want to feel mm. like, you know, that kind of thing. So in a way, it's not, it's not surprising that we're seeing a return to a kind of like straw man, strong man politics that. I think is important, and I, and I also really think it's important, to be honest, for Democrats to pay attention to in terms of what they're going to be up against in 2024 um, with the way the GOP is going to play this, which is, you know, it's going to be maybe Trump, but DeSantis and Pompeo and all these guys who kind of fit the mold of this deep need right now of like, we need somebody bossy to kick the ass to the other side and protect us. And not saying the Democrats should like run a fascist white guy of their own, um, but I would say that they should be prepared for the kind of arguments that worked in 2020 not to work in 2024. I'm listening to everything that you're saying and I'm like, oh my God, this is absolutely right. Like this is why you, it, it's, it's like you're walking in the desert and you're just looking at the mirage and you're going to as in my favorite movie, the American president said, you will, you know, people are so desperate for leadership that they will drink the sand, right? Yeah. Like, and that is, that is what's happening. That is what MAGA is. That is what Trumpism is. That is what global fascism is about. It's that I feel like I have no control over my own life, over my own happenings. And maybe somebody from on high can get control and put things back in order, in a way that makes sense for me. And also, if somebody can't do that, you hate them, right? You despise them. Uh, I'm, I'm not saying you, I'm saying You're in right. general. And so we, it's not a moment for like weakness, unfortunately. And the Israeli left did not understand this. They thought that democracy was going to hold, and it was a grave miscalculation. Um, the elections, you name it. Anywhere, anywhere this is happening, you know, India... Hungary, Pakistan, I mean, it's a moment where people are kind of gravitating toward, we want the protection of, of a feudal lord. And so mm. for Democrats, they should be thinking, like, is is Biden that person right now who's going to be able to stand up to that? Or should they find, I don't know, the But what does, but like, in, in all honesty, what does standing up to that look like? You're talking about a you're talking about a collective global sense of lack of control, access, you know, safety and all of these things. What is the opposite of that? It isn't well, it is so if 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 the right is about restoring the good old days of Jim Crow, 
uh, and the good old days of, of, of patriarchy and women being, you know, shackled to their stove in their kitchen with mother's helper in their, in their apron. If that is the good old days that they are hearkening back to, that people are gravitating to white people are gravitating to, then what is the alternative? Because it's not the, we're all in this together and like yeah. can fix it because that's what Obama offered. Yeah, I, I think a very clear counter narrative that has a very clear direct plan that is material and direct. I, I to me that would be my sense. I'm not a political strategist in any way, but I would just say that um, I would just say that um, it's just interesting with MAGA, right? I was I've been thinking about this a lot recently. Like it was just some crap Trump made up, like in 2015, right, or whatever, and it's become like a moniker for a movement that. It's just weird that MAGA is still even a phrase, right? I mean, it was just some stupid stuff in a hat. And when we first all heard it, we were like, ha, 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 you know. And, and now it's like the MAGA movement is is a term that's used all the time, right, to describe this. And so the Democrats kind of need a brand right now that that I think counters it but has some kind of clearly articulated vision. Um, you know, if we could... Um, you know, resurrect General Norman Schwarzkopf or somebody like that to, you know, be I mean, I just, I, I, like, I'm failing to see what the, what the brand is to combat global anxiety and fear that is actually steeped in real shit. Like the difference between MAGA and the collective anxiety that people who live on earth one are facing is (laughs) <laughs> the 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 implosion of earth climate change that is like out of control mass shootings that are happening like every, like multiple times a week um you know inflation that is out of control i'm going to the grocery store and everything is up by you know by by 5 and and, and 6 and 7% right so like these are real concrete things that are out of control that you don't actually have control over. And so I don't know what the counter argument is to one that says I alone can fix this. And you just wanting the I alone person, even if you know that they're full of shit, you want to be lied to in this moment. And the thing with Democrats is that we don't actually lie in that way. They lie about other things, but they're not going to lie to you about the reality of the situation and say, all is going to be okay. And if people want to be lied to, right, because the alternative is like either I numb myself with Xanax or I numb myself with the lies of Trump, no one wants to feel the reality of what this moment is. Well, I mean, but 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 we know what this moment is in terms of this, right? We know that people are looking for paternalism, right? This is a profoundly paternal moment. We know there's a lot of populist anger um, about inequality, income inequality. Um, So um, we know there's a lot of uncertainty. So people are wanting direct answers. We know there's a need to build structures that reward cooperation and disincentivize competition. And so it's not like we don't know the script right now. And I would just say that recognizing what the script is would be like the first step toward trying to figure out how to how to refute that. I mean, of course, we're not going to run our own Trump, but I do think again, it's just really incumbent 
to not say, oh, well, Biden beat Trump in 20 and therefore he can beat him in 2024. It's a, it's a really a different world right now. I mean, it is a profoundly different world right now than it was in 2020. And so just recognizing this is, I think, a first step toward just trying to figure out. And it's not just about Democrats winning. Obviously, we're talking about the globe right now <laughs> and where yeah. this is all going to end yeah. up. And, and maybe this is, you know, the movie Mars Attacks or all the all the movies where like society gets turned down and then people rebuild it or you know maybe, who knows where we're going um who knows where we're going i mean again i i told you before like think about the guy in year three of the hundred years war who said man finally this thing's coming to an end and but only in history you know there's 97 more years dude so we're, we're it feels like we're at the beginning of some big transformations right now um about resources about the planet about power and so just that uncertainty and i think the most important point going back to your first point is that people not feel gaslit by this that it's okay to feel uncertain right now um because there are forces that are acting on us that are different than they were in the jonathan k park soul train clips where people could just boogie on down and <laughs> have a good time yeah it's it, where we are living in extraordinarily wild times and i think no that, that the the best thing that our conversations have been able to offer jonathan is that you're not alone in feeling yeah. crazy and feeling scared um and concerned that there are a whole host of people that are feeling exactly the same way and acknowledging it and talking about it um is part of like unpacking it um, yeah. To not feel like you're carrying that weight alone. Jonathan, as always. This is what this is turning into when I'm feeling yeah. a type of way. Um, <laughs> I appreciate you so, so very much, dear friend. Stay safe. Take care, everybody. That is it for me today, dear friends on Woke AF as always. Power to the people and to all the people. Power, get woke and stay woke as fuck. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. Awards Watch says Liam Neeson is at his best. Don't miss In the Land of Saints and Sinners. Having left his dark past behind, retired hitman Finbar Murphy, played by Neeson, leads a quiet life in a remote coastal Irish town. But when a menacing crew of terrorists arrive, Finbar is drawn into a vicious game of cat and mouse, forcing him to choose between exposing his secret identity or defending his friends and neighbors. In the land of saints and sinners, from Samuel Goldwyn Films and Sony Pictures Home Entertainment, watch it now on digital. Rated R.
Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. 